Welcome to With All Wisdom, where we are applying biblical truth to everyday life. My name is Derek Brown. I am here today with Cliff McManus. We are both pastors and elders at Creekside Bible Church in Cupertino, California, and professors of theology at the Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary in Vallejo, California. And this is part three of our series on the signs of spiritual sickness. And we would encourage you to go back and listen to episodes 57 and 58 to get caught up on what we've said so far. We talked about what are not signs of spiritual sickness. We've talked about signs of spiritual sickness. And now we are into the causes of spiritual sickness. Before we get back into our topic, I just want to remind you to check out withallwisdom.org. Lots of great resources there. Each one is rooted in God's Word and designed to help you grow in your walk with the Lord. That's what we want to help you to do, and grow in your discernment, grow in your walk with the Lord, grow in your love for Him. And so we, we try to take our resources, make them applicable to you, taking the truth and applying it really is our theme here at uh, With All Wisdom, and we hope that those resources are helping you do just that. So back to our topic, Cliff, we were right in the middle of talking about causes of spiritual sickness, and we said that wrong thinking is really the root of just about everything else, and along with that uh, unbelief, these two causes are the, you could say, the maybe the deepest roots of, of all these other symptoms of spiritual sickness. They can be traced back to wrong thinking and, and unbelief. Another one I want to mention along those two is unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin can lead to spiritual sickness, and I say that because of Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen: Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So we won't prosper spiritually uh, if we are hiding sin, if we're not confessing it, for keeping it to ourselves, trying to guard it. And uh, sometimes we can confess it to, to just the Lord, and that's adequate. But sometimes we need to confess to the Lord and confess it to someone else if we've sinned against them or if we need help with a particular sin. And uh, it says here that whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. They're gonna, it's going to lead to spiritual uh, ill health. But the one who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. The grace and mercy of God will be flowing again through that person's life, and they're going to get back to some spiritual health. But unconfessed sin, concealed sin, you're not going to you're not going to do well spiritually. Yeah, don't hide it because you can't hide it. Because you ultimately can't. That's, That's right. Hebrews four again. God says He sees everything. Mm-hmm. So unhealthy. Um, this is so true. Unconfessing how dangerous it could be. I mean, David was a believer. He loved God, King David, and he wrote about his own testimony of not confessing his sin and how it just tormented him. Yep. So, uh, just a couple of verses in Psalm 32. When he was – he committed adultery. He basically committed murder, and he's trying to hide yep. all this. And then he looks back and realizes, Psalm 32, how blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And then he says, when I kept silent about my sin, he was hiding his sin, Mm -hmm. my body wasted away. He's talking about his physical body. Yeah. Just guilt was overwhelming him. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, God's hand was heavy upon me. Yeah. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Finally, I acknowledged my sin to you, O God, and my iniquity I did hide. And then he was liberated. Yeah. And forgiven. So this probably went on for months of just being tormented under the weight of yeah. guilt. Yeah. 
from trying to hide from his sin. And Psalm 51 also recounts his uh, confession of sin yeah. to God. Yeah. And it's interesting how he confesses it and he says, you know, Lord, create in me a clean heart uh, and, and, you know, cleanse me. And then he says, and then I will teach transgressors your way. Yep. There needed to be some some spiritual health in order to then be an evangelist, so to yep. speak. Right. And it, it came from that confession of sin that you mentioned in Psalm 32. Yep. Interesting, too, you read that uh, that it was actually also affecting his physical health. Yes. Which is remarkable. Right. That's... Which is also in James 5. Mm-hmm. Believers in the congregation, some might have physical sickness because of unconfessed sin. Yeah, right. Which was First Corinthians uh, eleven as well at, at communion. Yeah, right. Well, that's true too. Uh, all right, this next one here. This is interesting because we actually mentioned lack of a desire to be with other believers as a sign of spiritual sickness. That can also be a cause. Let me explain to you what I mean. So this is this is another cause: lack of corporate worship and fellowship can actually lead to more spiritual sickness, and it can lead to a lack of desire to be with God's people. It, it's a, something that perpetuates itself. When you are not being diligent in fellowshipping with other believers and going to corporate worship to hear the Word, to sing with the saints, to fellowship with the saints, it's it's going to lead to a lack of desire to do that, which is going to lead to uh, more uh, lack of desire that is just going to continue to feed on itself and perpetuate the problem. So lack of corporate worship and fellowship is a cause of spiritual sickness, and the lack of desire it can also be a sign. So we want to, to be clear that it can be a kind of a self-perpetuating cycle. Yep, it is. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. And so, uh, again, back to Hebrews, the author of Hebrews makes this so clear. Uh, spiritual health is tied to our being being vitally connected to the body of Christ. Um, you know, Paul uses the analogy of the body to talk about how we are united to one another in in 1 Corinthians 12, that we are all members of one body. And the interesting thing about a body is that in the physical body, when I look at your hands or your feet or your arms, Cliff, everything looks fine, everything looks normal. But... And this is a little gruesome, but it proves the point. If if we were to walk outside and we saw a severed foot on the ground, we would know something is desperately wrong. Yep. Not because a foot is bad, but because a foot is not attached to a body. It needs yep. to be attached to a body or it looks grotesque. Similar kind of thing when, when a Christian is detached from the body, they begin to start to look grotesque yep. spiritually. Yeah. And we've seen this a lot. Um, people take on weird views. They'll become more proud and arrogant. Uh, they will resist your counsel. They will begin to uh, just fill their lives with sinful patterns. It's just, it's not good. No, they live in their own myopic little world. Yep. Shielded away from accountability and objectivity and basic health. Uh, God describes the church as the body. Mm-hmm. So we need each other. Yeah. Can't be isolated. God also describes the church as a family, mm-hmm. many members, and also as a temple. Yeah. We are one of many stones. Yeah. So those corporate analogies just talk about how important this is of being with the fellowship. Yeah. Um, just 
like the physical body, when you, here's here's the next one. Just like the physical body, when you lack proper nutrition, you're going to be unhealthy. You're going to be susceptible to illnesses. And s- same with our spiritual lives. Poor spiritual nutrition, Bible, prayer, hearing the word of God, reading the word of God, being in communion with God, feasting on really solid books and really solid sermons and even podcasts and other uh, forms of edification. And you might be thinking, well, I, I am doing, you know, I'm, I'm listening to stuff and I'm reading stuff. Well, you could be listening to and reading junk food. That's possible. Yep. And so we're not just talking about any spiritual nutrition as though just any sermon or any podcast or any devotional is, is going to be helpful. We're talking about solid, yeah. good, trustworthy truth that is being conveyed by a um, skilled teacher. Uh, we're talking about getting into the Bible for yourself, feasting on it, listening to the Word of God, going to corporate worship and hearing it. Um, if that's not happening, then you're going to be spiritually anemic and sick. Yeah, and this is another one of those, this is a cause of spiritual sickness mm-hmm. and a symptom. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So that Again, in, in another one that perpetuates itself. And that's why spiritual, or I'm sorry, Bible reading needs to be a discipline and not just something you do when you feel like it. Yep. Because you leave it off, it begins that begins to perpetuate itself, and you, you lose the taste and the desire. Well, you said when you don't feel like it. I, I would imagine that a lot of Christians who get in that rut, who don't read their Bible regularly, mm-hmm. if you were to ask them, why don't you read it regularly? I don't feel like it. Yeah. That's probably their answer. That's right. And I'd say most of the time, spiritual health, it has nothing to do with how you feel. Mm. Uh, yeah, you could eat Twinkies and chocolate milk every day, all day. <laughs> but because I don't feel like eating vegetables right. and healthy food and eight glasses of water. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the disciplines that are good for us in the Christian life, are, they're not about feeling, they're about obedience. Yeah. And... That's where we get in trouble is, well, I don't feel like doing it. Right. Well, it's it doesn't. It's not about feeling. It's what is right, what is obedient, what yeah. pleases God. Mm-hmm. And you have to act on obedience and not on feeling and emotion. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the health and the blessing is going to come through that discipline practice of obedience to God's word. Yeah. Well, in, intersecting – I got a question for you, Derek, yeah. on, on this um, – I'm thinking of First Peter. It's similar to one of your verses, First um, Peter two, mm. verse two. This is a command. Peter says he's talking to Christians like newborn babes. Mm. Every Christian, in a respect, is like a newborn babe. Meaning, we need one thing for spiritual health: long for pure milk, the pure milk of the Word of God. That's biblical truth. Long for it. Desire it. Mm. Take it in. Um, Verse 2 goes on to say, so like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word of God, that's what he's talking about, so that by it, as you intake the truth of God's word on a regular, constant basis, you may grow in respect to salvation. That's This is how we grow, Mm -hmm. by taking in God's word. Um, We'll become anorexic spiritually if we don't have a regular intake of God's word. Mm -hmm. But I just, it's a command. Yeah, it long for desire, and it's, it's 
that's a hard thing to think about. Well, I don't, I don't desire it. I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Well, you need to desire it. Mm-hmm. You need to feel like it. I mean, that's what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. How come you're not reading your Bible? I don't feel like it. Well, you need to feel like yeah. it, but I don't feel like it. But you need to feel like right. it. How can somebody make you feel like doing something? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a common predicament Christians get into. I don't feel yeah. like doing it. Yeah. What do I do about that? Well, one thing you can do is do what David did in Psalm 51 you're referring to mm-hmm. when he realized how sin got him in trouble. And he makes an interesting statement there, and he, he, he's talking to God, and he says, God, you desire truth on the inside. Yeah. This is what you desire for me. You desire that I have your desires, but I don't have your desires. Mm-hmm. And so David goes on to pray and ask God, give me your desires. Yeah, That's right. where it starts. If you don't feel like reading the Bible or being – then the place you got to start is you got to ask God, God, yeah. give me the desires. Yeah. Give me your desires because I don't have them. That's good. So you got to turn it into a prayer request yeah. and plead with God. Yeah. Give me your desires. Because Jesus said the same thing. You need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yeah. Well, what if I don't feel like it? Right. Well, you need to ask God. Uh, confess your sin. Soften my hardened heart. Mm. Give me your desires and plead with God. He'll answer that prayer. Yeah. If you're sincere, you pray it specifically, uh, you trust him, he will answer that prayer. He will create a desire mm. in you. That's why David said, renew in me. A desire yeah. that's holy and yeah. right. It has to come from you. That's right. And that, I can tell you from experience, God answers that prayer. Yep. Those are those are godly prayers. Those are the prayers that God loves to answer. Yeah. Because they're going to be uh, wonderful for you, and they're going to bring him all kinds of glory. Yeah. Because you're going to be worshipful and obedient. and um, So that's an excellent reminder. We're so dependent upon the Lord. Um, mm. It's interesting in... Hebrews, and as I've been preaching through it, you come to chapter 5. Prior to that is chapter 4, where he talks about going to the throne of grace. And that is so important to his argument, because all these warnings are could really shake you up. Well, they're not meant to draw you into yourself. They're meant to draw you back to the Lord, crying out to him at the throne of grace. And he answers your prayers. And those prayers that you just mentioned, like, give me the desire for righteousness, for reading your word, uh, for for walking in obedience, God's going to answer those those prayers. Excellent. So, um, so poor spiritual nutrition. Next is uh, what I call unchecked pride. And the reason why I say this causes spiritual sickness, it's tied to the unbelief one that we mentioned earlier. And let me tell you where I'm getting this. In John 5.44, Jesus makes a rhetorical question to the Jewish leaders. He was, they were going back and forth, and he was saying to them that uh, you study the scriptures because you think in them you have life, you search them, but you refuse to come to me, the very one who can give you life, and I'm standing right here, but you refuse to come to me. And he goes on to talk about the reason why they don't come to him is because he doesn't seek his own glory. But if someone else comes in his own name seeking his own glory, they'll go after him, but they don't like Jesus because he's, he's humble and he, he requires humility in his followers. And then he makes this rhetorical question, which I think is applicable to the uh, Jewish leaders at the time who are unconverted, so, but also I think it's a principle that carries over for the, the Christian, and it's this. It says, he said, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only, only God? And so with that rhetorical question, the answer is, well, you can't believe in Christ when you're seeking your own glory. And that was for them in their unconverted state. So long as they had a love affair with the praise of men, they would not be able to believe in Jesus. 
as Christians, though we do have saving faith, I do think faith can be hampered and hindered as we let the love of the praise of men grow up in our hearts. I just think that's a principle you can take home from this verse. How can you believe, Christian, when you are cultivating pride and the love of the praise of men and trying to get glory from people and leveraging your life to to get more and more attention from others, whoever those others might be, whether it's your boss or uh, people in the church or whatever, so long as you're cultivating a love for the praise of men, you're not going to be able to believe in Christ, at least fully. You're, you, you, yes, you are a Christian, but your faith is really going to be hindered if you cultivate this love of the praise of men. So that's why I say unchecked pride can be a cause of spiritual sickness, because it's going to hinder faith, and everything flows from faith. Uh, we're, if we're not believing, if we're lacking faith, we're going to lack thankfulness, we're going to our love for God and others is going to decrease. Our love for the world is going to increase. Religious hypocrisy, hypocrisy, and so on. So it flows from faith, and faith can be hindered by pride. Yep, that was on my list. What causes spiritual mm. sickness? Pride. Wow. Yep. Great. And this is a, this is a fundamental, basic sin. I mean, yep. <laughs> this was the first sin committed. Yeah. This was Satan. Yeah. And then appealing, and then and then the snake appealing to Eve's pride. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, again, it's an important to me that verse five forty four, John five forty four, has been so helpful in my own Christian life because I can see it. Mm. I can see it if if I'm cultivating or enjoying the praise of men, my walk with the Lord begins to tank, yep. and I need to repent. Yep. And when I repent and I begin to be thankful to the Lord and just content in Him and uh, just content with walking with Him and doing whatever he's laid out for me to do and not needing the praise of men, like, things are good. Yep. And so this has been a very helpful verse for me in my own walk with the Lord. And I'm encouraged to hear that that was one for you too, because another verse that you could think of is God is opposed to the, James 5, 4, 6, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And yep. so if God is opposing you in your Christian life, because you're cultivating pride, then you can't expect to, to be spiritually healthy. Yep. Another one is um, a defiled conscience. And I'm getting this from 1 Timothy 1.19. And uh, Paul is, is talking about uh, keeping, he says in verse uh, uh, 19, he says that Timothy is to hold faith and a good conscience. He's been previously exhorting him and encouraging him in his ministry, and he says in verse 18, this charge I entrust you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare in uh, holding faith and a good conscience. And then he says this, by rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. And then he goes on to mention Hymenaeus and Alexander, who had apparently made a shipwreck of their faith. Well, how did that happen? Well, apparently had something to do with them not keeping a good conscience because faith can't flourish in a defiled conscience. And when faith can't flourish and you're, you're not doing something about your defiled conscience, it's going to cause spiritual sickness inevitably. And a key to spiritual health is maintaining a good conscience, confessing your sin, acting with integrity, repenting when you haven't, making sure that you're confessing your sin to others if you've wronged them or if you need to. And, keeping that conscience clean and clear 
and you will find that your faith flourishes. You'll find that you'll be spiritually healthy. You'll have you you have spirit inward spiritual strength and vigor. And without it, you're gonna you are in danger of making shipwreck of your faith. Yep, protecting your conscience. Mm-hmm. Don't sin against your conscience. Yep. yep, that's dangerous. Yep, protect your your conscience. You if you there's something in doubt about a TV show or a movie, don't watch it. Yeah, don't subject yourself to that. Yep. That defiles your conscience. It deadens your conscience. Yeah. And it's totally worth it, by the way. Um, it is it is totally worth it to maintain a good conscience and to to not partake in the thing that you are doubting. Like you said, don't sin against your conscience. If you doubt, don't partake. And I've never I've never <laughs> in my life I've never looked back and gone, oh, uh, I I obeyed my conscience. I didn't um, do the thing that I was doubting, and I left with a good conscience. I've never looked back and regretted that decision. Yep. I haven't looked back and been, oh, mm-hmm. I wish I would have watched that show. No, it's the good <laughs> conscience is always always wins out in terms of a superior pleasure. So, and uh, so we just, this is uh, something that we have to maintain as Christians, is that clean and clear conscience. It comes by confession of sin, taking care of uh, things that you need to if you've sinned against others and so on. So number eight, and then that's the end of my list. I'll see if you have any. But number eight, I said uh, greediness, sting- stinginess, a love of money, kind of grouped all those together. And I pulled this from Matthew six twenty two and 23, where the discussion is literally the love of money. Jesus is preaching on the love of money. And he says in verse 19, he says of Matthew 6, he says, do not lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And then, so that's verse 21. And then in verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or he'll be deceived or devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. So you have these kind of two uh, verses that sandwich verses 22 and 23. And this is what 22 and 23 say. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if the eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light or will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And there clearly darkness. We're talking about spiritual sickness, unhealth. Well, and, and he's even talking about the eye being healthy here. Well, what is he even talking about in 622 and 23? Well, I think the context tells us what he's talking about. And that's why book ended it with 619 and 20 and 21 and 624. Because here I think he's talking about what our gaze is upon. Is it on money and wealth and the love and, and, and uh, material wealth? Is, is, our, is our gaze set upon that? Is that what we are longing for? Is that what we're looking for? Is that what we're making a priority of our life? And if that is the case, then the whole body, as he says, is going to be full of darkness. Whereas if the eye is healthy, if we have our eye set on the right things, namely, as you'll say later in the passage on the kingdom of God and his righteousness, where he says in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then our eye will be healthy and the whole body will be full of light. In other words, the whole body, the whole person will be healthy. And so I take this to to be an indication that greediness, a love of money will actually be a cause and will cause spiritual sickness. It will cause other virtues to deteriorate, uh, other things in our souls, other good things in our souls to deteriorate 
and we need to be aware of how that how that works the the spiritual dynamics of how a love of money can really decrease our 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 love for spiritual things so that can be a cause of spiritual sickness would you agree with that assessment Cliff? yeah absolutely paul said in 1 corinthians 6 those who want to get rich he's talking to christians mhm Hey, Christians, be careful, because those of you who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare mm-hmm. and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, mm-hmm. and some, even Christians, professing Christians, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith. Wow. There it is. Yep. And yep. they have pierced themselves with many griefs. Yep. Yep. Well, that is all I have for causes of spiritual sickness. Do you have any more that I didn't mention, Cliff? No, I had all yours on my list, too, and then I just had this one. Um, what causes spiritual sickness? I said Satan. Mm. He is the tempter. Mm-hmm. He's on the prowl. He wants to tear Christians apart, and we always need to be aware of him, and that's why Jesus said when you pray, pray every day and pray for protection against Satan. Yeah, yeah. Another one I put from a pastoral point of view, yeah. what causes spiritual sickness that we have seen is devastating unexpected trials in the life of a Christian, mm. usually the death of a loved one, yeah. and people just go into a tailspin, yeah. and they, they just abandon the faith. They do the opposite. When they face a trial, whether it's um, they go through a divorce or one of their family members abandons the faith or one of their loved ones dies mm-hmm. – and that's as a Christian when you need the body of Christ. Right, right. When you need to be with God's people. Yeah. And yet some Christians do the opposite, which is very harmful and dangerous, and they isolate themselves yeah. from the body of Christ as a result. And so they're, they're in mourning, they're in depression, their loved one has died, they're not going to church anymore, they're not reading the Bible, they're not praying anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it's just this vicious cycle that we... See, where they're just not in a good position of spiritual yeah. health. They're doing the exact wrong thing they should be doing. Yeah. They need God's people in those times of crisis, mm-hmm. not pulling away. Mm-hmm. So times of trial. One pastor once said, and I never, never forgot it, I thought it was good. He said, the best, way to pre- the best way to deal with death as a Christian is to prepare for death. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a solid biblical perspective yeah. of what death is all about yeah. so that you don't have wrong expectations False idols yeah. clinging to people in the world too much, yeah, because death is coming. It's a reality. That's good counsel. That's really helpful counsel. Uh, probably people are afraid to do that because that means they got to look death square in the face. Yes, and I think so. It's fear. Yeah. Well, uh, any any others? Was that was that it? Those were mine. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, let's then lead into the last part of this. Uh, series then, and it's uh, what are the medicines that can heal spiritual sickness? And we've already alluded to or even mentioned some already, so this this won't take too long, but I do want to at least list them out individually and say a little something about them so we're clear. Uh, number one, uh, what are what's, what's a medicine? I would say the number one medicine is a clear understanding of the gospel. A clear understanding of the gospel. You know, one of the spiritual practices in my life that just developed, I it just developed early in my Christian life, was reading Romans 3 and 4 and 5 just all the time. Wow. I just do it all the time. Nice. Uh, because I just need to be reminded of the gospel. 
that my righteousness is not my own in terms of something I've produced. It's outside of me. It's in Christ that God declares me righteous, not because of my growth in holiness or any work that I did prior to my conversion or any work that I will ever do, but that it is holy entirely in Jesus Christ. And for Christ's sake, he justifies me when I believe in Christ. Mm. God is just and the justifier is the one who has faith in Christ. And I just need to be continually reminded of that. And I find that when I am, I have greater spiritual clarity, spiritual energy, vitality, uh, motivation to put sin to death. All those things seem to, for me to flow from that clarity of the gospel. And so that's what I would, and I, but I don't think that's just merely my experience. I really think that's what Scripture is, is teaching, that you really can't move beyond uh, anything. You can't move beyond this This clear understanding of the gospel to to then dealing with other issues in your life. This needs to be central and foundational. And often I found with dealing with people in counseling situations or just informal or formal, that it's a clearer understanding of the gospel that really begins to breathe life into their souls again. Maybe they did have a clear understanding, got muddled, however that happened, because it can get muddled. You have wrong teachings, you know, surrounding us all the time that can undermine the gospel. So I would say that's number one. Yep. I agree. Uh, Next one, we've already mentioned it. Confession and repentance of sin to God and to others if necessary. If we're going to be healthy spiritually, we got to make confession and repentance a regular part of our life. Uh, I've heard people say or ask, you know, why do we need to confess and repent if we're already saved? Yeah. And what we're not saying is that you're getting saved each time you're doing that, but all you're doing is just maintaining a healthy relationship with your Heavenly Father yep. and with others yep. and keeping that conscience clear. Yep. Um, and so, you're restoring the fellowship of the relationship yeah. every time you do. So First John, you got that verse down there. Yeah. First John 1, 9. This is actually a command for a Christian uh, to have confession of sin is pretty much your daily discipline. Yes. It's a Christian discipline. Uh, when you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us, forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So mm-hmm. this is ongoing cleansing mm-hmm. on a practical level. And anytime we sin against God, we break the fellowship. We yep. don't lose our salvation, but we right. do break that the fellowship of that relationship. And right. every time we confess, we're restoring that relationship. Like if you're married and you have a spat with your spouse and you breach the relationship, and then you forgive each other and you restore it. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. So we need to be doing this on a regular basis. You even said daily. I think that's right. And daily, just keeping that conscience always clear. And if you have sinned against someone, you do need to go to that person and clear it up. Matthew yep. chapter 5. You yep. need to clear it up before you go to worship Yep. and um, make sure everything is right with that person. Another important uh, medicine that we must take is hearing and believing and obeying the Word of God. We've talked about this already. But we just want to reaffirm it, hearing the Word of God pre- through preaching, through your own reading, believing it, taking it into the soul, through meditation, I think really just dwelling on the Word of God rather than just skimming over it is, is helpful for getting it into the soul, and then obeying it, because James says we will be blessed in the doing, in the obeying, and we don't want to be hearers only who delude themselves. 
but we want to be active in the obeying, and we're going to find blessing. James says that, and he's just picking up on what Jesus said when Jesus would tell his disciples, blessed are, those, blessed are you now, that not only that you've heard, but if you do these things. So we want to hear and believe and obey the word of God. It's not easy. It's challenging. It's hard. Uh, that's why we need each other. We need the help of the Spirit. But this is a, a key to spiritual health. It is. It's, it's milk for the soul. Mm-hmm. And it's meat. Mm-hmm. for This is our food. This is basic. Yeah. And it's not merely supposed to be intellectually stimulating. You know, you can be intellectually stimulated over scripture or theology, but that's not what, not what we're talking about. I mean, I am, I'm intellectually stimulated by God's word, there's no doubt, but it's, it's deeper than that. It's, like you said, it's food for the soul. It, it's the mind, it's the heart, it's the, it's the whole person taking in the truth of God's word, uh, understanding it intellectually, taking it into the heart by faith, and not merely finding it thrilling intellectually, but literally feeding us spiritually. Yep. And the reason I say that is because I've, you know, occasionally bump up against folks where you're like, hmm, it seems like you're mainly inter- interested in the intellectual uh, component of, of Christianity or of theology and not, not too concerned about believing it or applying it or living by it, mm-hmm. you know. So just a reminder. Um, and that's certainly not to, we're certainly not suggesting that uh, believing the Bible is some sort of endeavor that doesn't involve the intellect it absolutely does but we're not what we're saying is it doesn't merely involve that it's the whole yeah. person uh number four seeking first god's kingdom and trusting god to supply all your needs and being generous amen i i just i know from scripture and just our own uh experience me and amy that this is god is done this in our lives and the seeking first the kingdom and trusting him is just the gateway to to spiritual health and um and then just being generous with what you have whatever it is whether it's your home or your money or um it leads to leads to real spiritual health and that's what jesus is saying in matthew 6 25 through 33 what solomon is saying in proverbs 3 5 to 8 and following um so just an encouragement to seek God's kingdom first. He promised he'll provide for you. And there's just tremendous spiritual blessing in just giving your life in service to the Lord and, and trusting him. Uh, re- number five, receiving the admonishments, rebukes, and encouragements of your brothers and sisters. Ouch. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not... Uh, it's not always pleasant to hear the doctor's orders. No. And to hear that regimen and to hear the hard words, but it leads to health. It does. And I need to be sometimes given a, a hard word. Yes. And this is these are part of the one another's. Mm. Rebuke one another, admonish one another. Um, it, it helps us maintain spiritual health mm-hmm. and... It uh, is a sign of humility, too. Yeah. This is why we need the body of Christ. Yep. That's one of the bless- biggest blessings of marriage, actually, is somebody gets to know you really well. Yeah. So they learn all of your faults, and then they tell you about it. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to be single and alone and living by yourself. Yeah. Because you don't have to hear that. Yeah. And then you're living in a <laughs> la-la land. Or 
you have so I, that that happens. But also then, and you, your your kids are out of the house now. But um, I've still got the little kids at home, and I've got kids who will tell me my sin. Yeah, and they'll tell me that I said something that I didn't do. I know kids are great; they're so honest <laughs> and observant. <laughs> and the more kids you have, the more kids you have telling you that. Ah, yes. So, but I found that when I've been rebuked, it hurts and may even make me a little mad, and I may not like it for an hour. But it always results in something good mm. in my own heart. Yep. It it delivers me from sin, delivers me from wrong thinking, yep. helps me see things clearly. Uh, number six, we need to actively seek spiritual maturity. We can't just let it happen. Um, that was what the author of Hebrews is getting after in Hebrews five and six. He said we need to we need to advance beyond these elementary principles. We need to grow in our maturity, our understanding of Christ understanding of spiritual truths and we need to we need to pursue it and don't get pushed back downstream it's an up it's an we're swimming upstream and if you stop swimming upstream you get pushed back downstream quickly so we need to be actively seeking spiritual maturity and Paul made that the aim of his ministry exhorting and admonishing people so that they would be uh, built up and, and grow in maturity in Christ yeah it's it's proactive it is active um, Paul uses the verb sometimes agonize mm-hmm yeah, agonizo from agonizing, strive, uh, strenuous, yeah. volitional, deliberate activity of pursuing God and obedience, and it is—it's not easy. You can't be passive. This is why we are not mystics or yes, pietists right. or pacifists in our personal walk with God. Yeah, it's a struggle. Yeah, it is. Um, number seven—we've already alluded to this—growing in humility. Grow, seeking to grow in humility. Um, this is God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. Uh, pride is a hindrance to faith, as we mentioned. So we want to make the pursuit of humility something we're deliberately doing. And number five is a good way to do it, like you've already mentioned. And just being in the church, being around other believers, being open to correction and rebuke, that's going to help us grow in humility. Yep. Being under the word of God. Yep. Having a wife and children telling you, your sins. That's yes. that'll that'll work. That'll help too. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to welcome that. Yeah. And then to wrap everything's up everything up, we'll end with this. Uh maintaining a good conscience. Well, that'll be the end of my list. You might have more to say, but maintaining a good conscience, as we've already mentioned, uh, that's a key to uh, spiritual health. Uh, that's good medicine for our souls. Keeping a, uh, our conscience always clean through repentance and uh, confession of sin walking in integrity, and that's going to be good medicine for our souls. Yep. Amen. That exhausted my list as well. Okay. Good stuff. So just by way of reminder, those that last category, these were preventative measures. Yeah. Things that we can proactively, deliberately do as Christians uh, to help maintain sp- spiritual health and to prevent spiritual sickness. Mm-hmm. That's right. Good stuff. Any last words that you want to say on this topic, Cliff? I think this has been great. I think it's been um, we've been able to cover a lot of ground. Yeah, there's a lot of factors um, to to attend to, but um, I would just recommend folks if they have opportunity to go through and listen to these three episodes again because we gave a lot of verses yeah. and a lot of principles yeah. in those four categories. Uh, big picture, just by way of summary, what overall what we asked or what we were looking at today was uh, sp- 
signs of spiritual sickness, but broken down into four categories. Yeah. Or really questions is uh, the first one was things that are not necessarily signs of spiritual sickness. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was what are some potential signs of spiritual sickness? Mm-hmm. The third was what are the causes of spiritual sickness? And then this last round, how do we prevent spiritual sickness? Yeah. And so uh, we hope that this has been helpful for, for you and will be helpful as you go back and listen to them again. That's a great idea, Cliff, because we did give so many principles and, and scriptures to think about and check out for yourself. And uh, we're thankful for you, our listeners. You keep tuning in. We want you to keep checking out withallwisdom.org. We'll always be providing more and more resources there for your edification and for your walk with the Lord. And until next time, keep seeking the Lord and His Word. Thank you.